opens us up in worship, I'm just going to pray us in. So, man, God, you are so worthy, God. You are just so worthy. You're just so worthy to be worshipped, God, and to be loved. And tonight, I just invite you guys to metaphorically just step in, just press in, just lean in, whatever that looks like for you. Just press into what he has for you never have this night again, and God wants to be here, who wants to minister to our hearts. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. We love you. We lift you up. In Jesus' name. Song of victory. 
exalt you tonight we lift you high we lift you high we lift you higher we lift you higher we lift you higher
you just put your hand on your heart for me? And I just love this chorus, love this song so much. It's a song, a chorus from a song called Obsession by Jesus Culture. And I just think of that, that scripture every time where the disciples are walking with Jesus. After Jesus was, was raised from the dead, he was back, he was living, he was alive. But it says, the word of the Lord says, their eyes did not recognize him, but their hearts burned within them. That their eyes did not recognize him, but their hearts burned within them. And sometimes, guys, my eyes don't recognize God. My eyes doesn't recognize how Jesus is moving in my life. But when the Spirit of the Lord comes and God moves and speaks and breathes, my heart burns within me. And whether you're new or you know Jesus or you don't, I've been a Christian for 10 years now and I want my heart to burn more for the Lord. When people are looking, but most of all, when no one's looking, when I'm at home and reading through Leviticus and the Old Testament and it's dry and I don't understand it, it says, Jesus, make my heart burn for you, Lord. I want to know you more, God. I want to know you more in the secret place. So if you're comfortable, will you just put your hand on your heart? And it's a simple song, it's a simple verse. It just says, let our hearts burn for you, Lord. Let my heart burn for you. And I'm just gonna ask Paul to, to take us back into this song with our hands on our hearts. I just say that let this be our prayer. Let this be the cry of our hearts, that our hearts wanna burn for you, God, which means we wanna love you more. We wanna know you more. Let us be fools for the one who loves us, God. And let our hearts burn for you. Yeah, prophesy this over us, Paul. Father, that is a cry of our heart, that it will burn for you. I just pray, God, that you'll move tonight, Father, that you'll help us become more alive in you. And I thank you that you're alive in us. So help us become more alive in you tonight, God, in our hearts and our lives. 
I just thank you for this worship band. Thank you for Olivia on slides and the sound guys and, and Christina and, and everyone who comes early to help with decor and, and everyone that you've brought to be a part of this ministry, God, whether they're leaders or servant leaders or just coming, that they could be anywhere else in, the, in, their, world, in their lives tonight. But Miranda's here tonight. She chose to come, God, and honor every single person that's here tonight, God, from Sadie to the leaders to, to, to the new person tonight. And speak to them and inspire them, Father. I just thank you for Leah and her leadership and her heart, for what she's built this family and this worship team to be. I just thank you that, that we call ourselves a family and we're not perfect, but we want to be family in you. And just like Hope said, we're done with religion. We don't want rules and regulations. We want a relationship with the living God. And I thank you that that's available for all of us through our older brother and through your son, Jesus Christ. So come tonight, God, and move and speak in a way that only you can. Let our hearts burn for you as your heart burns for us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Man, could give it up for the worship band. You guys can have a seat. Man, that was good. thought I just got saved again by Paul King. Come on. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. All right. Well, I have a couple shout-outs just because I'm excited. But could we give it up for Hope, who's leading for the first time from Keys? She's doing awesome. And then the one and only Dale Mueller is leading from guitar. Guys, I've had to beg her, fight with her fast that she would start leading from guitar. But, man, we are excited. And I also want to give a shout to Olivia, who's running slides for the first time tonight. Give it up for Olivia. Man, I just, I just love to honor people. And so many people do so much for this ministry. So we love when people jump on board. But, man, I'm excited for tonight. If you haven't met me, my name's Ryan. I'm blessed to be the college pastor of Alive. Thank you so much for coming out tonight. You could have been anywhere in the world tonight, but you came to join us. And I want to say thank you. And my prayer is that God will reward you and bless you because of that. Uh, I love that he says that uh, he rewards those who diligently seek him. As we looked at yesterday, he rewards those who passionately seek him. And we want to be a ministry and a family that passionately go after him. So if you're new... Don't get, don't get weirded out. We're just a little cray-cray for Jesus, and that's good. So we, we accept everyone where they're at. <laughs> uh, if you're weirded out, talk to Miranda. She'll give you a hug and make you feel better. Miranda, wave your hand. There you go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, I am so excited for tonight. Um, again, if you just came in, we are not going to be here next week. We're going to be at MLMP, More Love, More Power, at the Vineyard Church. We will have vans picking students up. We forgot to announce that. So we'll have vans picking people up in front of the ARC and the Union at 6.30. Um, just register through our newsletter. Talk to Sadie in the back afterwards. We'll get you plugged in. And um, you guys can come join us next week completely for free. They bless all the uh, college ministry to come for free because they love college students. And we bring something. So we hope you join us for that. But I'm excited for tonight because we're going to continue going through our series looking at how Jesus walked away so we could walk as he walked. And, you know, I definitely got to bring up Mr. Mugabe Kundai because he, he skipped out last week. Is he here? Where is he? There he is. He's hiding in the back. This, is he here? 
Yeah, I literally can't see you. Oh, there you are. <laughs> um, you know, he, he wasn't here last week, so, you know, we're trying, we're talking about him through every, oh, yeah, you got to talk about Kundai in your message at some point tonight. Yeah, you know, it's a streak. So, but, um, man, like, if Kundai was walking and talking, and I'm like, I look at him, man, Kundai's cool. I want to be like him. I'd have to hang out with him. I'd have to know him. I'd have to study him. I'd have to practice walking and living as he, as he, as he walks and lives. Um, it was like if I'm trying to imitate him to be like him, it would, I'd have to spend time with him and look at how he lives his life. So we're looking at the stories of Jesus. We're looking at his life, and our hope is that we could apply it to our own. And we actually have a guest speaker tonight. Uh, the one and only Valencia Moses is here. We're so excited. She's actually making a live history because she's the first non-pastor, uh, but she definitely is a pastor, um, and I wouldn't be surprised if she is one day at our church. But, um, but she's also a, the first non-leader like, to speak uh, this year, I think never in a live. So, man, she's going to make history. Jesus has made history in her, and she's going to make history with us. So welcome up the one and only Valencia Moses. Give her a round of applause. Shout out to whoever found that picture on that moment of worship. Oh, thanks. Oh, wow. We have professionals in the room. That's amazing. Um, this is uh, a little different, but I'm going to go for it. You know, faith is spelled R-I-S-K at the vineyard. And I just want to uh, speak a quick blessing over all of you because word on the street, rumor has it, it's midterm season. Is that true? That's true. Okay, I just want to speak. They're like, yes, it's true. Um, I just want to speak a blessing over you real quick before I get started. Um, yeah, come Holy Spirit, I thank you. I thank you for everyone here who sacrificed. And Jesus, you're the redeemer. So I speak over every student that you redeem this time, that they are investing with you, God. Pay it back with um, them being able to recall what they need to recall, remember what they need to remember. Just bless them with every test, every project, and help the end of the semester be even better than the beginning. In Jesus' name, amen. I know it's simple, but it was on my heart, so I wanted to go for it. Um, again, my name is Valencia Moses. I am a community life intern with Leah, uh, who is, you know, one of the people who gets to, you know, encourage Ryan in the amazing ministry he has. I love the name Alive. It's just perfect. Um, I'm very thankful for this opportunity. I've been at Vineyard. It'll be three years in this September. And uh, it's been an amazing journey. Uh, I should throw out there that I did accept Christ at the age of six. And I only bring that up because um, I made some unwise decisions during my college years, even though I grew up um, in the church. And Jesus as a Redeemer is so important to me. And so I don't take it lightly that I get to stand before you um, and encourage you to make the wise choices during this time in your life. Um, and so it's just a beautiful picture of redemption uh, because like God got my attention, praise the Lord, so that I could live on fire for him, not because of how I grew up, but because I wanted to make the choice to live for him. And I believe, um, you know, God's going to move powerfully tonight. What happened in worship, that was a prophetic moment because God is after hearts tonight. So um, let's get ready to go. Um, I also teach at Parkland, and uh, I love, love what Holy 
Spirit is doing here. I've enjoyed all the times I've come to live. And, uh, you know, my unwise choices that I talked about a little bit earlier, they stem from believing the lies of the enemy, but also falling for, like, what culture says or what society says. And last week um, when Ryan was talking, sorry, sorry, I'm messing up the decor. All right, keep it moving. Um, as Ryan was talking last week about Jesus being radical, and he was a revolutionary, and so making the choice to live for him is not something to take lightly. And I believe that when we ha choose to have a heart for God, um, we too will live a life that looks a little radical, looks a little different, may even be peculiar or weird, but living for Jesus is totally worth it. And so what Ryan shared about how Jesus made an impact on his disciples, through his disciples, um, he had a well-known ministry, and healing was a big part of that ministry. And Ryan ended with a clip from the movie The Shack, which was like a perfect setup for this week, because in it, um, the man portraying Jesus said that Christianity is not about following rules. God sent his son Jesus to redeem and restore. Christianity is all about relationship. And so I got permission to break the rules tonight a little bit. We are going to start with chapter 8. Yes, and then in in chapter 7. So for all of those people who love to do things in order, you will survive. We'll be in this together. Sorry, Hannah Overby. <laughs> and, and so I promise, I promise it will be worth it. All right, so I'm going to say something that doesn't happen much in church. I'm going to, like, in a, in a church situation, I'm going to give you permission to scroll along, but it's the Bible, okay? So those of you who have a paper copy, you know, doing it old school, uh, go ahead and get that Bible out. Um, for those of you who are using your phones, go ahead and pull up Mark chapter 8. And um, as you're getting that together, when Ryan was preaching last week, we had a miracle, the feeding of 5,000. And what's interesting, uh, especially in the Passion Translation, it kind of has as a heading, Jesus feels, uh, Jesus multiplies food again. Like, hey, yeah, one more time, here, here he goes, multiplying things. But what I want to point out is that when we see the number 5,000, or in Mark chapter 8, we see 4,000, that's just counting the men. So for those people who like math, that average Jewish family was the man and maybe up to like four, five other children. But let's say it's five because five is my favorite number. I love it. So let's say five. So five times five is how much? Oh, I felt it. Yes, we got the answers in a room. 25,000 is a better estimate of the minimum of how many people Jesus fed. So if we have 4,000 being fed in Mark chapter 8, 5 times 4 is? Mm, you did it. 20,000. But here's what's interesting. In, according to the world's way of doing things, seeing is believing. But let me tell you, there are people who are around these miracles and who saw plenty, but they still didn't believe. In fact, people were seeing these miracles and they were stuck in tradition. They were actually stuck on their way of doing things. And so if we take a look 
in Mark chapter 8 and how it starts off. In the first few verses, Jesus is multiplying food again. And what's really interesting, the disciples, even though back last week when Ryan was preaching about Jesus feeding the 5,000, they had 12 baskets left over. And yet here we are in Mark chapter 8, and they're still asking, how are we going to make it in this situation? And I believe that God wants to help us to remember that he is the God of impossible. He specializes in miracles. And so even though they had just experienced a miracle, you know, they're asking similar questions again if you look around Mark chapter um, 8, verse 4. And so scrolling again is encouraged, and we're going to walk through this chapter. And around verse 8 and 9, Everybody ate until they were satisfied. Again, 4,000 people plus the women and the children. 4,000 men plus the women and the children. And he dismissed the crowd. And as he was um, talking with his disciples, you know, he really wanted to get a sense of their heart. And he was warning them about religious and cultural leaders. Um, because during this time, people were hungry for followers. In fact, the cultural leaders, um, especially the government leaders, they were after immortality. That's why when you go to Rome, I haven't been, but it's definitely on my list, and you see all the ruins, that was because people were trying to live forever in structures and hoping that they would last so that we would still be talking about them today. They were hungry. They were obsessed for recognition. And I want you to take a look at Mark chapter 8, um, and they're going to put verses 17 and 18 on the screen. And so what's interesting is that you know, this miracle just happened. This time they had seven baskets worth of food, and nobody really took the leftovers with them, which is really interesting. I've always wanted to know why. And so they get in the boat, and they're traveling, and they take, like, one piece of bread after all this miracle has happened. And Jesus starts talking to them and say, you need to be careful about, you know, how the religious leaders and the cultural leaders, you know, they have some things wrong with their heart. And the disciples are like, um, is Jesus bringing this up because we forgot to bring that leftover bread with us? And uh, he's like, guys, guys, knowing what they were thinking, Jesus said to them, why all this fussing over forgetting to bring bread? Do you still not see or understand what I say to you? Are your hearts still hard? You have good eyes, yet you still don't see. And you have good ears, yet you still don't hear. Neither do you remember. Lord, help us to remember the miracles that you've already performed in our lives. And what's so interesting is that, I don't know if you thought about it, but your heart can see, your heart can hear, and your heart can remember. God is after our hearts tonight. And if we keep on moving down, we have another miracle. In fact, it's pretty major. If you scroll on down um, to verse 25, 26, Jesus heals a blind man. And this is a big deal. Sometimes we read and we're like, yeah, yeah, he's the God of miracles. But back in this time, they thought that if you had certain conditions, it was over for you. There was no hope. People were very aware that the spiritual world existed, and so they 
believe that an evil spirit caused this person to be blind and that was it. They were going to be blind for the rest of his or her life. But Jesus heals a blind man. And here's what's interesting. There's a theme in uh, Mark chapter 7 and Mark chapter 8. Jesus does something that doesn't make sense according to culture. He tells people not to tell that he healed them. I mean, in a culture that was obsessed with followers, you know, um, that rivaled what we have today with Instagram and all the other places that you can get likes and posts. Um, Jesus is like, go home, but don't tell anyone what happened. And I think this is really interesting because when he goes home and he can see, I'm pretty sure people are going to notice. I mean... Just stating the obvious, but I, I think they'll know. But I think that's a word to us. There are certain things we shouldn't have to say for people to know that we've had an encounter with Jesus. So, you know, midterm time, you all are not alone because by Mark 8, 29, 30, Jesus is testing his disciples, y'all. He's like, oh, so who do the people think I am? And, you know, they give their answers that they've heard around. You know, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're John the Baptist. But check out. Um, it's not going to be on the screen, but you're scrolling because you have permission to scroll through the Bible. Mark 8, 29 and 30. He asks, but who do you say that I am? You know, yeah, there's everybody else, but y'all have been with me. You've been around. You've seen the miracles. And Peter spoke up saying, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now, heaven reveal this to Peter, just to put that out there. But then Jesus does it again. He's like, don't tell anybody. Don't spread the news about him. But we do have a slide um, for Mark 8, 32 and 33. Jesus is warning them that his kingdom will come in a way they don't expect. The Jews at the time think, okay, when, when the Christ comes, we're going to take back the city. You know, they're going to topple the Roman Empire, and we're going to be living large and in charge like we did back when David was king. They were very much fantasizing about glory days. And so what Jesus shares doesn't fit with how they think it's going to happen. And we go through that too. Like, God, this isn't the way that I thought it was going to happen. Let's check this out. Jesus opened his heart, think about that, and spoke freely with his disciples, explaining all these things to them. Then Peter took him aside and rebuked him. Can you imagine Jesus, like, basically preaching, and then Peter, like, takes him off the stage or something and takes him to the side in front of everybody? But Jesus turned around and glancing at all the other disciples, don't you know when you get pulled off the stage, everybody else is looking and wondering what's going on. And he rebuked Peter, who had just got a revelation straight from heaven about Jesus being the son of God. But Peter uh, gets rebuked. And here's what Jesus says. It may seem a little harsh, but there's a reason. It might feel that way. He says, get out of my sight, Satan. He's not calling Peter, Satan, but he's identifying the source of this idea that he's going to bypass sacrificing his life in order to bring in the kingdom. The enemy loves us to be addicted to comfortable and shortcuts. 
and it continues and it says, For your heart is not set on God's plan, but man's. And I believe there's some freedom and some deliverance from us thinking that we have our life figured out better than God. Sometimes in the decisions we make, we're really saying, God, I think I got this. I don't need your help, and I know better than you. That is what he's saving us from. That's why he's coming after hearts tonight. Our hearts can make plans that are not set on God, but our hearts can decide that we're going to be all in, completely sold out for him. Now, at the end of this chapter, and, you know, it's hard when you got all these verses in these chapters, you know, everyone won't make the cut. But here's what I want to ask you. What does it mean to be a follower of Christ? You know, you might have some goals for your life right now, and they might be according to tradition. They might be according to popularity. When I used to do college ministry in Michigan, um, you know, I saw students struggle with picking a major because they thought it was going to get them a job that was going to make their parents happy. I've seen what that struggle looks like. But when we are called to Christ, we care about what he would have for us and what he has for us is the best. So what does it look like to follow Christ? You know, there's no nice way to put it, so I'm just going to lay it out there and we'll come back to it later. It means letting go of your way of doing your own life. It involves surrender and sacrifice. But whatever he asks you to lay down for him is going to be worth it. It is a heart test. It's often not easy, and it's definitely not comfortable. But if you ever have those moments where you're on the struggle bus with those kind of decisions, think about what all Jesus went through for you. It wasn't comfortable. It definitely wasn't pain-free. But for the joy set before him, and you know what the joy was? It was you. He had you on his mind, and he decided that you were worth it. You were worth his surrender, and you were worth his sacrifice. And as we move to Mark chapter 7, Jesus is out there breaking religious traditions. And sometimes when you read the Bible and you're reading things like if you're scrolling because, you know, you got permission to scroll and you're in Mark chapter 7 now, and you see, like, them getting in trouble with the religious leaders because Jesus' disciples aren't washing their hands. They are not nasty. I just want to put that out there. It doesn't mean they're just straight not washing their hands. There was a particular way according to tradition. And I went to Google, and I found some information about, well, what was the Jewish tradition around washing hands? And it's pretty elaborate, y'all. Um, here are the highlights. Um, <laughs> you know, if you were about to eat bread, there was usually a special container or cup that held the water. Then you had to pour it over your 
right hand twice and then your left hand, unless you were left-handed and then you reversed it. And then you had to recite a very specific blessing. And then you couldn't talk until you actually ate the bread that you were washing your hands for. All of that. There you go. So Jesus' disciples aren't doing this. And the religious leaders, the Pharisees, they were all about these rules. And basically, like, Jesus, you're not doing our traditions. What's going on? Let's check out what it says um, on a slide for Mark 7, 6. You know, Jesus is radical, right? Remember, I warned you. Jesus replied, you are frauds and hypocrites. Y'all are fake and y'all are playing other people's parts. Anybody in here a theater major? Hey, all right, all right. Hey, I see you, I see you. So being a hypocrite was actually, is actually a theater term. So when Jesus was using this, he was saying, y'all are out here playing somebody else's part. And, okay, some of y'all in the room get to, Ask yourself, are you playing the part that God has asked you to play? Or are you trying to play someone else's part? It continues, how accurately did Isaiah prophesy about you phonies? <laughs> In case they didn't understand, when he said, these people honor me with their words while their hearts y'all see it, y'all see what he said, while their hearts run far away from me. Many of them said, ouch. I'm sure there were very few amens in the crowd when he said this. <laughs> yeah, get all the laughter in. Get all the laughter in now. Um, because our hearts matter this much to God. He wants our hearts and that's why what happened in worship was so beautiful. God was just letting us know in advance he is after our hearts completely. And so what is so interesting, Jesus, again, is, is pouring out, and he's talking to the crowd. But what's amazing, he would say things, and the disciples would be like, what did you really mean? And I, I'm, I kid you not, Holy Spirit loves y'all students so much. He's like, and, and some of y'all need to talk to your professors and ask them, what did you mean when you did that in class? I promise it's going to help you. You'll look good, and they'll love you. But going back to the scripture, Jesus, chapter 7, around verses 14 and 15, you know, he's preaching, and he's telling them, to really think about it's not what you put into your body that dirties your body or defiles your body. It is what is on the inside. Again, it's about our hearts. So let's take a look at Mark chapter 7, verses 20 through 23. And I want everybody to take a deep breath. Mm, we're in this together. God's after our hearts. And we are called to look like him. We're his disciples. That means we're following him. If we're Christians, it means we're little Christ. That's our standard for how we live. He added, words and deeds pollute a person, not food. Evil originates from inside a person. Coming out of a human heart are evil schemes. And he gives us some examples 
sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, treachery, debauchery, jealousy, slander, arrogance. And I promise I didn't see that in the list, y'all, until like today, but it's been there the whole time. And recklessness. All these corrupt things emerge from within and constantly pollute a person. I'm going to talk pretty fast at this point, but I wanted to give some examples of in our culture what some of this might look like. Um, in some other translations, you use some different words. So sexual immorality, um, we'll just throw out the F word, fornication. It looks like um, it looks like friends with benefits, sex outside of marriage, and a lot of other sexual acts that some t- people try and leave out of you know whenever this comes up in the Bible. Wickedness, doing wrong on purpose and enjoying being wicked. Deceit is lying, it which is not telling the truth. So if it's half truth, it's a hundred percent a lie. Lewdness, F-bombs, derogatory remarks toward people of the opposite sex, being vulgar, maybe even flashing your body. An evil eye is like the ultimate of side eyes towards a person when you hate them in your heart, but you tolerate them and you might even smile in their face and that's called backstabbing. Blasphemy, taking credit for what God has done. And I think this shows up in the culture the most when we say that we're lucky, when we know, we know it was God. So why don't we say blessed? Are we concerned about not being popular or something? I don't know. But let's give God credit for all that he does for us. Pride is huge. It's, it's hard to boil down, but I'm going to try. It's living a self-centered life, saying things like, I got this. I don't need any help. Don't you know who I am? Um, I deserve this. Foolishness, acting in ways that are going to lead you down the worst possible path for your life. And a lot of times, it's usually the result of ignoring good advice. In fact, there's a famous song about it, and it says, I did it my way. And if you think about how Jesus rebuked Peter, it was about not following God's plan. So we've talked about, you know, some pretty, pretty heavy stuff. But remember I said, God is after our our hearts. He doesn't want any of that stuff that we saw in that verse dirtying up our relationship. It's kind of like shoes. And when guys are serious about their their sneakers, oh, my goodness. Woo. (laughs) You know, I don't know, Kundai, are you, like, obsessed about your shoes? <laughs> Keeping them clean? Oh, about your orange hat, I've heard. Mm, mm. Yes. So if we think about God giving us a new, clean heart, the stuff we talked about can dirty it up. It's like getting a brand-new pair of white sneakers and choosing to go through the mud. Like, it just, it really doesn't make sense, but we can dirty up our lives in ways where we're more concerned about tradition or, let's say, culture and following other people's plans for our lives than following God's plan for our lives. But as we, like, finish up chapter 8, 
there's so much in here. Um, does anybody know another name for carrying leftovers home? Mm. I'm listening. I'm not hearing it yet. Mm. What about the term doggy bag? Anybody ever heard that? Is that too old? I mean, it's pretty old school. Okay. All right. So if you are scrolling and you, uh, you know, happen across verses 24 through 30, what happens, this woman who is not in the family in terms of not in the group of the Jews, the children of Israel, the chosen people, um, the word dog is used. And some people think that's really cold for Jesus to say that. But culturally speaking, because she didn't have a seat at the table, uh, her faith was so extreme. You know, she was like, but even, even people, you know, get a doggy bag when they're leftovers. That's all I'm asking for. I'm not trying to take from the family. I just want my doggy bag. And Jesus was like, that's a good response. Her heart of faith moved God. Our faith also moves God. Um, and then towards the end of the chapter, what's amazing is that Jesus heals a deaf man. He literally opens ears. And what's so amazing is that, again, this was a miracle that many people thought was impossible. But he's the God of miracles. And what I love is that one more time he says, don't tell anybody what I did for you. But his life spoke volumes. And the people towards the end of Mark 8 were absolutely beside themselves and astonished beyond measure. They began to declare everything Jesus does is wonderful. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. We were singing about it. And I want us to be about it tonight. Let your voice be heard through how you live. Let your heart guide how you live and living for him. We talked about it. We sang about it. The simple gospel. Choosing to find joy in him is what it means to rejoice. Choosing him. And when you choose him, you get joy in your life. If some of you have been living in a way where it's like, it's not getting any better, it's time to check your heart. He's not comfortable with Wednesday night hookups or weekend visits. He's after a marriage. That's why his church is called his bride. We're a part of that church. He wants the full commitment. And he gave us a new heart, but there are ways that we can dirty it. Tonight is about laying down religion and picking up that relationship that Jesus died for us to have. And it's not about, oh, you know, I got saved back whenever. His salvation for us is a consistent salvation. And every day we get to surrender and sacrifice and say, Jesus, what you're asking me to do for you is worth it. Sacrifice and surrender are part of following Jesus and walking like him. Our heart is like the headquarters of our life. Jesus wants to be the CEO. We get to make that decision tonight to say, Jesus, I want you in charge.
And tonight we believe that Jesus is going to open your eyes, the eyes of your heart. He's going to open your ears, the ears of your heart, for you to hear him afresh and get that more that you know exists in life. Because the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. He wants all of that for you. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But guess what? Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Man, thank you, Valencia. Dale's like, can I have my stand back? When uh, fix this sign, united we stand. There you go. And that was awesome, huh? Seriously, it's awesome. For real, for real. I'm excited to listen to the podcast already and take notes. <laughs> for real. Um, she is a professor at Parkland, so you might need to take one of her classes. You know, she lets you scroll on her phone. There you go. Um, but, you know, as we were praying for tonight, she really felt the song, Oh, Come to the Altar on her heart. And, you know, you might not know, what does that mean? An, an altar in the church is a come forward for a, uh, an altar call. That's actually how I got saved. I don't know what it means, really, when you come up front and ask Jesus into your heart. But there is a, a call and response. And this would be known as the altar up front. But, you know, really the altar is the presence of God. You don't need to come somewhere to ask God in your heart. You can do that, and Bryce will be there to meet you, or you can do that tonight in your bed. But it's talking to Jesus as a friend and saying, God, I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to have you. And if you know Jesus, I invite you to ask him to help you know him even more. Because tonight he wants to become more real to you. And if you've been walking with the Lord for a little bit, you might feel like you're going through the motions. You might feel like, is this still real to me? Is this still fresh to me? It doesn't feel like it did when I first got saved. Well, guess what? If you've ever been in love with a person, the, more, the longer you're with them, you grow deeper in love with them, but it doesn't, say, it doesn't feel like those butterflies when you first met them, right? But it doesn't mean you're not in love with them. And so, God, we pray tonight for the young and the new, for the old and, and the young. <laughs> That didn't, it sounded better in my head. <laughs> we, we pray for everyone here tonight, Lord. <laughs> that you would come and breathe on us and refresh us and call us back to the first love in our heart. So there's going to be leaders on the side. There's going to be open space up front. You can come sit by MJ and I. You can go hang out with Austin in the back. You can go get snacks from Sadie. You can go to the bathroom if you want. But Jesus is calling you to come and talk to him and be with him through these next couple of songs. And let him speak to you and touch your heart in a new way tonight.
Jesus. The love of the Father is flowing so thick in here for all of you. And I just want to reiterate what this song says. The Father's arms are open wide. In Jesus, there's no condemnation. There's no condemnation for those who love Jesus. And this is a night where God is calling you up. The enemy loves to call you out, <laughs> but God is calling you up because if you felt that there is more to your life, you're right. There is more, and it's found in Jesus. He is here because we have lifted up his name. He is here because he loves to hear the sound of your voice. And he will continue to meet you where you are. And if some of you are worried about going for prayer, don't be. Don't give the enemy the satisfaction of keeping you from your breakthrough. Let him meet you. Respond to him. And it will be worth it. So thank you, Holy Spirit, in advance for the transformation you're bringing in this place. Yeah, and Valencia is going to be on the side if anyone wants to get prayer specifically from her. Um, but, you know, there's a story in the Old Testament where Moses sees this burning bush, and it's God. And, he's like, and it's this bush burning a fire, and God speaks to him. And God calls him to go back to Egypt to set people free and to be radical with his love and his spirit. And he says, God, who am I supposed to tell them that you are? And God says, tell them I am. And he says, tell them I am. And we're introducing a new song tonight. Uh, I've been trying to get this song played for a minute now. Um, but man, I, you know, I finally got it played. But this song, God has used and moved so much in my life, and it's called The Great I Am. So we're not singing about how Paul's not going to be singing how great he is, but how great I am is and great how God is. And the bridge, it builds up, and it talks about how demons flee and nothing can stand that's not of God in the presence of God because we are holy as he is holy. And I just pray that as Paul and the band lead this song, whether you know it or not, I believe chains are going to be broken. God did some radical and amazing things last week. And so just know that you're free. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. Right, Grace? Where's Grace at? Right, Grace? Where you at? You in here? Somewhere? Is Grace locking in here? Grace, run up here. Come on. Run. Wherever you're at, run. Are you in here? Grace Lockett, you in the house. Is Grace Lockett there? Anywhere? No. No? Awesome. Is Grace Lockett out there? No? All right. I feel really embarrassed right now. <laughs> she should be in here. She's a leader. All right. Well, we, we were saying this before. Uh, Noah, where, is Noah in here? Noah, where's your girlfriend at? <laughs> All right. Well, that's, man, well, we're, we're saying before leader huddles, who the sun sets free is free indeed. And yeah. I just believe that's a word tonight. I'm gonna just going to say it, and you repeat it. Who the sun sets free is who the sun sets free is. Man, let's believe that tonight and let's receive that in Jesus' name. Come on, Paul.
Great I am. 
Yeah, I just feel like the word of the Lord is saying, I am the great I am. And because I am the great I am, you can also be the great you that I created you to be. And in the Bible, it says that the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. That we have the same resurrecting spirit and power of Christ that lives in him, that lives in us. And I just feel like the Father saying, some of you don't believe that you can be great. Some of us don't believe that there's a strong destiny and purpose and plan to our life. And this is what a life's supposed to be all about. That we're supposed to inspire and awaken people to who they are and to whose they are. And I feel like the Father's saying, tonight, I want you to know that I am the great I am. And because I am the great I am, you are the great you are. That I am the great I am in you and through you. And so God, whatever is holding us down, whether that's a mindset, a physical illness, a, a, a depression, a breakup that we're struggling with, God, we just say that same power that rose you from the grave, Jesus, the same spirit that rose you from the grave lives in us. And we just declare that we have the resurrecting power of the great I am alive within us. And that just as you rose, Jesus, we too will raise and rise from our situation, from our circumstances, because you are faithful to never give up on us and always help us. So let's have some resurrections tonight. Let's have some resurrections tonight. In Jesus' name.
risen king. <laughs> Death couldn't hold him down. I love it. I love it. He had to borrow a grave because he knew there he would not remain. And so if there's any, anything in your life that doesn't look like Jesus, I believe tonight was a night of transformation and a night of resurrection. Yeah, I'm going to just pray over us. <laughs> come Holy Spirit, come like a rushing wind. We thank you for the joy that's breaking out. Your joy, God, is our strength. We thank you for our peace that doesn't make sense, but it casts out any anxiety. We thank you, God. We thank you that you have made us right. You are pleased with us. We are loved and we are accepted. And I thank you that your life, your life is breathing new life into our lives right now. And I thank you, God, for meeting us here. But in the name of Jesus, I seal the work that you, Holy Spirit, have done tonight. It cannot be stolen. It is ours. And we thank you, God, for your goodness, for your faithfulness. Thank you for keeping us, for blessing us, and setting us on fire to set others on fire for you. May our hearts burn even the more. This we pray in Jesus' name. Man, can we give it up for Valencia and the band? Man, awesome job, guys. Matt on the drums, crushing it. Eric swelling. Lindsay on the bass, doing her thing. <laughs> Man, well, we are so excited. And guys, here's a great, here's the great thing that we found Grace. Grace is here. Hey. Come up here, Grace. Come on. Hey. All right, so we're gonna do this again because it just wouldn't be right to do it without Grace. All right. Hey, so who the sun sets free is. Free indeed. Who this, Abby, come on. I know you believe this, girl. Let's go. Who the sun sets free is. Free Kunda, get up here. I need some help. Come on, Kunda, run up here. Yep, let's go. We're getting Mr. Mugabe up here to get the hips into it. And he's going to, you guys think I'm intense? Watch this. Watch this. We, we might need, we might need a little, we might need a little drum beat for this. Man, will you, they, I don't think they didn't believe it, bro. I mean, I mean, I'm talking about gospel choir about to come out right now they, they got it they, you gotta you gotta get that swag on you gotta help them believe this thing <laughs> all right so same thing all right okay on the count of three one two three who the sun sets free is who the sun sets free is oh okay who the sun sets Good job. We're going to get you back up here for that gospel choir that you did last year. Hey, 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 we got to get that sway going. You know what I'm saying? You and Leah. <laughs> All right, guys. We thank you so much for coming out. There's awesome snacks up there. If you want a sweatshirt, make sure you get one. Hope to see you at uh, Game Nut. What? More love, more power. I was thinking the movie night or any small group or, you know, wherever you want to go. Jesus is with you. He loves you. Hit that track, Christina. Thank you guys for coming out.